This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are live. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with the captain of the... Which Rose Bowl team was it again? 78. Man. <laughs> well, original number 54's captain of the 1978 Rose Bowl team, roommates with Michael Jackson, chaplain for the fo football team, basketball team for many years. And you may not recognize his voice, but you always see him around Husky football, basketball. You just see him around one of the absolute good dudes out there number 54 mike roar back do i call, is it mike or michael which what do i have to refer oh, to oh come on <laughs> just call me roar and we're all good just roar uh it's been a long time since you played but boy you seem to be part of that heart and soul of what goes on up at uw many of you know you from back in the day even those who don't remember you playing know you from being around the football team tell people what you are up to these days yeah well thank you kim for having me on first of all always great being with you and talking with you uh well you know after husky days i went into sports ministry with fellowship of christian athletes and then 29 years ago karen my wife and i started run to win outreach and we run camps for kids and do chapel stuff and had the privilege of being chaplain for the Husky football team for a, about 17 years until 2005. And that's when our son Chris left the program to go play at Central. And I stepped down to go cheer him on and see him play and compete in college football. And uh, this next season, I think will be my 20th with the men's basketball team, serving as volunteer team chaplain, just being part of the support staff that is there to encourage student athletes in kind of all phases of their life and journey as Huskies. So it's a real honor and privilege that I get to do that. You know, Mike, a lot of what we do is following recruiting and, uh, you know, it has changed so much over the years. You know, one of the things I've never talked to you really about out of Ingram High School, um, class of class of what, 52? Turn, what, what class out of Ingram? <laughs> oh, right? man, 73, bro. Just tell, I mean, give us an indication. I mean, it was, I don't mean to make this come out wrong, but it was such a long time ago. Take us back to when you were being recruited. What do you remember? Oh, I, I remember so much because my dream from when I was eight years old on was to play for the Huskies after my grandpa took me to a game and I just was mesmerized by those guys coming out of the tunnel. And uh, so actually after my sophomore year, I started hearing from coach Jim Lambright who we recently lost and uh, the UW began that recruiting process. And man, I had tickets to every football game, all the basketball games, and it was just really a fun experience and just loved everything about it. 
you know, going to games, watching Sonny Six Killer, who is a dear friend these days. One of the reasons I went to the youth, things like that. But uh, Jim Owens, actually, I'm so old that he was the head coach. And uh, J.O. was a great guy. And I really just was honored to play for them. Uh, during the recruiting process, I narrowed it down to Washington and Stanford. And uh, broke my mom's heart by not going to Stanford. She wanted me to go there, but I just, you know, I just wanted to be a dog. And uh, and I do not regret that in any way, shape, or form. I had an amazing experience and uh, obtained a great degree. Met some amazing people who, to this day, still are impactful and involved in my life. And just really look back on it as an incredible experience. Uh, you know, Lambo showed up at eight o'clock on signing day and I signed the scholarship and then I instantly went from, you know, being a great player who was going to play a lot to the six string linebacker. <laughs> Tell me, back in the day, I mean, we remember Coach Lambright, you know, the national championship team when he was the head coach and how intimidating he could be. And I got to guess back in the day, he maybe was a little bit more wild. Tell me about the first experience and that maybe if you remember that first meeting with uh, Jim Lambright. Well, a lot of the guys will say the same thing, man. The eyes, you know, he had those piercing eyes and when he'd get excited, he'd turn red in the face. And, you know, uh, he was just a guy who, I mean, he lived Husky football. He had played there. Uh, he had great success there, a local kid. And, uh, you know, he just was all about Husky football. And I just really admired him. Uh, he was a great leader. I think looking back, probably one of the greatest and most innovative defensive coordinators of all time. And so, uh, you know, I played for some other coaches. Chuck Allen was my linebacker coach, actually, my uh, first couple of years. Then when Coach James came in, uh, Skip Hall was my coach and uh, loved Coach Hall. And then for my senior year, I got uh, moved to inside linebacker and then Lambeau was my guy. And uh, I look back, we talked. All we did was hit in practice, like every day we just hit. And so, you know, and I'm still upright and can remember a few things. And so it's good. Tell people, you know, it's a lot of people just don't remember that much about Jim Owens. I mean, we didn't have social media, what, three TV stations. So people know Jim very well. Tell people what you remember about Coach Owens. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, he was like 6'5". And uh, he's a, he's a he, he, he was he was big. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, honestly, like, like they just come through that time where there was a lot of racial tension and things like that. And, uh, you know, when I entered the scene, I think things had improved a lot, but he was an imposing figure. Uh, I, you know, I remember certain things, just his kind of accent from Oklahoma. We do running drills, you know, the sprints and He'd always be like, "Ha, get off! Don't be last! Don't be last!" And just encouraging guys. Um, kind of one of the issues back then. We had black shoes. Guys wanted to wear white shoes, so we'd tape our shoes. And I was one of the guys who taped my shoes. I thought we looked faster. And one day in spring practice, uh, we're all out there ready to start practice, and Jo Coach Owens walks out of the tunnel, and he's got his shoes. He's got white tape on his shoes and everybody's looking and going crazy he calls us and he goes men we ordered white shoes and guys went crazy and I don't know I think for him that was probably a big deal because he's one of those guys kind of older set in his ways and so we made the switch to white shoes and 
everybody was happy. But in, in, in some regards, I think he'd lost some of his juice, to use that term, some of his enthusiasm and stuff just towards the end. And so I don't know that his last two years we got the best of Jim Owens, but I look back and I'm honored that I had the opportunity to play for him. And then, uh, you know, when Coach James came in, it was just a whole new ball game. How you heard that Coach Owens had been let go, and what was that time like between him being let go and finding out you had a new coach, just kind of being in limbo? Yeah, well, that's a great question because we just didn't know. We knew we were going to get a new coach. And so I remember one day the daily, the school paper said it looked like Dan Devine, who'd been the Green Bay Packer coach, was going to be our coach. And everybody's like, oh, my, you know, the Green Bay Packers. And then uh, news broke that it was going to be Don James from Kent State University. And I remember at first everybody's like, who is that and where is Kent State University? And so there was just a lot of questions. And then, um, you know, that very first meeting, uh, we all gathered in the team room. And I can't remember exactly what time the meeting was, but whatever it was, I mean, it's like seven o'clock at night, let's say. And 15 seconds to seven, the door opens and this little tiny guy walks up to the podium and uh, looks over at the coaches who then walk over and lock the doors. And he gets up and welcomes us and says, you know, I'm Coach Don James. I'm happy to be here. And our goal here at the University of Washington is to win a Rose Bowl. And then he paused and he said, this year. And everybody's sitting there going, are you kidding me, man? Like we were two and nine and three and eight. And we got a coach telling us his goal is for us to win the Rose Bowl. So he instantly got our attention. And then we uh, settled in and he implemented some training program, mat drills, things like that, that really were designed to kind of weed out the guys who he didn't think could compete. And that's what he did. And a lot of guys quit that first week. And then he held a meeting and he gathered everybody together. And he said, look around this room, men. We can win with this group. And we began that journey of building, you know, some great championship teams under his tremendous leadership and inspiration. You, like you said, Jim Owens was a big dude. I mean, he was just a big, physically imposing dude. And then Don James, what, 5'8", 160? I mean, you had to be thinking, what did they do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kim, there were so many questions, but, you know, early on, I think we, we just were all so impressed with his uh, discipline, with his just game plan. Er nothing was left to chance. Everything was organized. We had, like I say, this hour workout, you know, 20 minutes of it was stretching and wall running. 20 minutes was sprinting and 20 minutes was on these mats where there was lines of three and we'd come out and do bear crawls and, you know, just all kinds of agility drills. And it was really, really demanding. Uh, I don't want to gross anybody out, but to the point that guys started throwing up on the mats and we're all like, cool, we get a break. Nope, next group out. So you're doing bear crawls through somebody else's, uh, you know, puke. <laughs> and uh, So then we got real smart. The next time we did it, we brought some garbage cans over by the mat drills because we knew the mat drills weren't going to change. And uh, pretty quickly, guys started getting into better shape. Who was the guy? Who was the coach during mat drills that seemed to enjoy tormenting you guys a little too much? 
Oh, <laughs> would that be Randy? <laughs> Coach Hart. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love Coach Hart. That guy is something else. But yeah, Coach Hart was probably one of the most demanding coaches, and I would have to say equally as respected by the players. He just, you know, what he brought was amazing. Yeah, favorite quotes was, uh, I remember Tole Mula Ato Opele. Oh, yes. He said, I miss Coach Hart. No, no, he goes, I love Coach Hart. He goes, I love Coach Hart. He goes, but I don't miss him. I don't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a, yeah, at the team banquets every year, you know, they'd introduce the coaches and they'd stand up and do their little deal. When they introduce Coach Hart, all his players would stand and give him a, a standing ovation, you know, because he demanded so much, but they respected him so much. And, yeah, he's especially Randy at the team banquet. You guys all standing up and him giving the, you know, the command to roll on the mat and you guys all just getting down. Oh, we would have. <laughs> <laughs> we would have, man. Don't don't tell me never to this question because I know the answer is never. Tell me about the one time Don James got mad at you. What did you do to co piss coach James off? Because you had to do something one time. He had to bid on you at least once. Oh, man. Okay, so senior year, we go back to play Syracuse uh, in New York, and we get there, and our bed check is at 11 o'clock, and it's Seattle time, it's 8 o'clock. And so, um, you know, being a captain and a guy who, man, I never wanted to do step out of bounds and have to do, like, disciplinary sprints, 1,000-yard sprints. Man, just doing the regular stuff was hard enough. But I'll just never forget, I, I went to bed, and – I, I, all of a sudden, I hear this bang on my door, bah, 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 you know, and I go over and I open the door and it's Coach James. And he goes, what are you doing? You know, half the team is out here getting back from discos and, you know, <laughs> and you're a captain. You're supposed to be monitoring this. I said, Coach, I'm sorry. I was asleep. I, I, I honored bed check. And he goes, well, get up and help me get these guys to bed. And so he wasn't real pleased with me at that point. Um, in terms of, I, I mean, yeah, there were probably other times, but that was the one that got my attention. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I like to talk to guys. I remember talking to Larry Triplett one time about his uh, first practice, first contact practice uh, at University of Washington. And he said, you know, I'm this hot shot coming in from, you know, South L.A., from Westchester High School. And uh, I'm Larry Triplett. And then he says, so my first contact practice, he said, I lined up on the nose and, and it was against Olin Krutz. Oh and I said, what happened? And he goes, he picked me up on my neck and threw me on the ground. I said, what was that like? I said, I'm 300 pounds. He picked me up and threw me by my neck on the ground. What do you think it was like? I said, what happened the next play? And he said, well, I moved over. I wasn't on nose anymore, but I was going up against this guy, Benji Olsen. And uh, I said, what was that like? He said, I just knew that I had to hit him with everything I had. Because I wanted to play that year. I wasn't going to redshirt him. Larry Triplett from Los Angeles, California. And he says they snapped the ball. 
Benji. It was like hitting a brick. He goes, right then and there, I knew I was red shirt. And what was your first <laughs> contact practice like? Uh, Do you remember the first contact? Do I remember my first? First contact, bro. Oh, Damn, that's a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, I'm looking down the roster and I'm seeing a guy, and I know you butted heads with this guy because this is the guy that I saw when I was in junior high and he was playing running back, and it just wasn't fair. Robin Earl. I know in practice that you went up against Robin Earl. Well, not only that, uh, actually, our sophomore year in high school, uh, Ingram played Kemp Meridian High School in Memorial Stadium uh, yeah. on Thanksgiving Day in the Turkey Bowl Classic. Uh, the stadium filled, and uh, he was a quarterback for them. And, uh, yeah, so we ran into each other at some different banquets leading up to, you know, at the end of the season and stuff, and then became teammates and he was a guy, man, that guy was like 6'5", 245, playing running back. And that was, that was a load. But, you know, to even get to him, you had to try to get around guys or through guys like Blair Bush and some of those guys. There were some really fine players back then. But Robin was a load. And, uh, yep. <laughs> Fun team. I mean, back then, linemen were 260, 250. Yeah. He was like a lineman playing running back. Yeah, I think my freshman year, our biggest guy was Carl Rose, who was 275. And we had a guy, uh, a, a lineman, who he would put two 10-pound uh, weights in his girdle pads and then go way in so that he was 225. He's 205 playing offensive guard. <laughs> a little bit different now. Yeah, I mean, but Olin Krutz, going back to him, I mean, what what a warrior that guy was. I mean, you did not mess with him, and he had a great NFL career with the Bears and and Benji Olson. I mean, they just had some really, really big, strong guys. So, you know, while I was there, at my last year that we recruited and brought in um, Randy Vanderveer from Anaheim High School, and he was like 6'5", uh, I don't know, 280 or something, and uh guy up the street in Snohomish, Kurt Marsh. Yeah, and he yeah. was about as big. And before they, you know, by the time they left, they were over 300 pounds. And so the game really started changing. Like I say, biggest guy, 275 to, you know, and nowadays, hey, every guy is really, really big and strong. And, but hey, you know, it's all relative. I'm just going to, you know, I was looking at the roster of some of the guys that you got to play with. I'm just going to name off some guys. Give me quick hits on a couple of guys. All right. You ready? Sure. Yeah. Dan Lloyd. Oh, Dan Lloyd was Mr. Intensity, San Jose, California, number 50, inside linebacker. Uh, he was a warrior. He he was one of those guys, uh, you know, not the most gifted player, but he just gave the greatest effort. And I remember he broke his wrist or something and go down the weight room. He's in there benching with the cast on. I mean, you just couldn't keep him out of the game. Uh, you couldn't keep him from battling and competing. Great guy. Dave Pear. Oh, my word. Dave Pear scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Pear would do, uh, the on the leg machine, he'd do 100 reps with 500 pounds on the, on the leg press. And then he'd put these uh, hanging bracket things around his ankles and hang from uh, a bar up above and and have a 50 pound weight on it and do sit-ups, you know, hanging in the air. Uh, in the huddle, the guy was just like frothing at the mouth. 
And, you know, he went on and played for the Raiders, but uh, he he was a very intense and, I you know, I think just a, a great football player, great guy. Bush. Blair Bush. He had a license plate on his van that said Mellow One. I was talking about him with a guy yesterday. He very, very rarely said anything. He let his pads speak. And I think he was one of the best leaders I was ever around. And Blair and I were total opposites because, you know, based on even this conversation, I like to talk. And I'm a loud, you know, boisterous guy. And he's Mr. Mellow Guy. And we hit a lot in practice and went against each other a lot. And he won most of the time. And that's why he played about 15 years in the NFL. And, you know, he went to the NFL. I went to FCA. <laughs> Another guy, long NFL career, Ray Penny. Oh, Ray, what a great guy. And I'd played against Ray. at He was at Shortcrest High School and just a great player. And. You know, at the UW, he was he was big and strong and just really sound football player. Had a, a great career, not only, you know, in the NFL with Pittsburgh, but also the USFL. And is just one of the great guys in, in our community. And I love seeing him at, at some of our Run to Win events and at different games. Really, really fun guy. Electric little guys ever to play at University of Washington. And a lot of people aren't old enough to remember him, but boy, he wasn't really very big, but uh, outgoing gregarious. Tell me your best Nesby Glasgow story. Oh, Nesby. <laughs> oh man. We just lost Nesby this year too. And that just, uh, Nesby was without a doubt, pound for pound, the toughest guy to probably ever wear the purple and gold. And, um, you know, he just would flat out fly around and hit guys, had a nose for the ball, uh, was a great, great teammate, always supportive, always encouraging. Um, and a guy I, re you know, I really loved Nesby. Uh, and I spent time with him at the hospital before his passing. And one day I was in there with, uh, I think, six guys. Uh, Doug Martin was there. Um, uh, let's see, Bruce Harrell and then several of the Seattle Seahawks teammates, and they were all talking, and every single guy said, toughest guy they ever played with. But one of the guys talked about that when they played the Chiefs and they were going against uh, Christian Okoye and how uh, Nesby three times hit him harder than they'd ever seen him been hit, and he actually went backwards. But Nesby was a fun guy and uh, just, you know, always a smile on his face and excited. And a real guy who I was, you know, honored to play with for sure. Your roommate, Michael Jackson, did you make him crazy or did he make you crazy? Which one? Which way did it go? Oh, man, Pro probably 50-50. Uh, what a great guy. I mean, uh, from Pasco, uh, he was, I don't know how to describe it. He was one of those guys. He was so just naturally gifted. He was strong, but he didn't lift a lot of weights. He was fast, but more than that, he was quick. And I remember one time in a game coming down the line, you know, guards coming out on you. And in my periphery, I see him just like hit a guy like a rattlesnake and buckle this offensive guard. And next thing you know, he's by me and making the tackle. And uh, he had a nose for the ball and was just, you know, a great guy. And we, we had some fun and uh, we had some skirmishes. But uh, Michael... Michael was a great teammate. Do you remember the game and the, the Seahawks game in the Kingdom where he was just out of control, was getting personal foul penalties, and then he went and punched out the bench? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You must have just been cracking up. Well, yeah, because I've I had seen that side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's rooms. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of, the, one of the guys, one of the sweetest guys ever, you know, with the golden voice that you got to play with, uh, tells told me a great story about, you know, the start of the say who say what chant. Uh, Antoine Richardson, tell me the story oh, behind that. Oh, man. You man Tw Tw Twan shows up from Cali in a low rider. It was probably the first low rider ever in Seattle. And uh, I don't know the make or model, but it was kind of a gold color. It had no doorknobs. He would walk over and reach under the front driver's side fender and push a button and the door would open. Okay. <laughs> and then it had a, you know, a, a seat, the full seat, the front. And on the back was a, an oil painting of the Golden Gate Bridge on the back of the seat. So if you're sitting in the back riding in the low rider, you got this beautiful view of San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge. But he was an undersized guy, number 48, would just fly around and hit guys, fiery leader, and one of my favorite teammates of all time. Uh, he always kidded me and said, if you ever, ever have a daughter, you got to name her Antoinette. And I had three of them, and none of them got named that. But whenever I see him, we laugh and talk about that. You know, he's another guy I really love and just gosh, so honored to have played with guys like that. Uh, there were others. Mike Baldison from Tacoma is to this day my best friend. Uh, Jim Kristoff was a linebacker who uh, took Baldy and me under his wings and taught us how to recoil and how to be a, a great teammate and a Husky. And, you know, there are just so many great guys that we had the opportunity to, you know, not only rub shoulders with, but go out and battle and compete with and go to school and class with. And gosh, it just what a what a blessing. You were an upperclassman when Warren Moon arrived. Tell me about when Warren Moon arrived and just the team atmosphere, bringing in a JC guy from Los Angeles. Uh, and I don't think people realize how big Warren Moon is. He's not a small guy. Oh, man. Okay, so that was that was new stuff. Like, that. now that happens all the time. Guys coming in junior college, transferring, whatever. But, you know, he was the new guy on the scene. And when he showed up, it was like, this guy's a quarterback. Like he physically was just big, strong, um, probably the best leader I was ever around, uh, Warren Moon. He, he just was commanding of guys. He worked really, really hard and just an amazing, amazing football player. And he really, if, if there's one guy who was the most instrumental, aside from Coach James himself, uh, getting us to the Rose Bowl in 78, you know, it was Warren Moon. Uh, but when he came up, you know, it's Harold Warren Moon. And he goes by Warren. But uh, Baldy and I, whenever we see him, we still call him Harold. And he slugs us and laughs. And and then we call him Warren. But another guy, man, you know, how many guys get to say they played with a Hall of Famer? And to be a co-captain with him and Blair Bush and Dave Browning was pretty pretty special because uh, all those guys went on the league. But they, they were all just phenomenal competitors. So, you know, I was in good company, but uh, love Warren. And, uh, yeah, just one of the true heroes of Husky days. Another guy that was uh, came when you were there, just maybe one of the most important recruits in Husky history, but uh, Joe Steele. I mean, he was, he was a big-time ball player, hurt his knee and was never really the same, but uh, it's like when Joe Steele arrived. 
Well, we all knew about Joe Steele because he played up the street at Blanchett High School. And uh, another guy who's 6'3", you know, and strong, but just deceptively quick and fast. Uh, great, great player. And uh, I actually remember the play uh, against UCLA. He uh, faked a dive into the middle and two guys crunched his knee and, and he was never the same because I think he, if, if he hadn't hurt his knee, would have gone on and had a great NFL career. Uh, he ran really upright, um, but just, yeah, a great guy. I still, you know, talk with him from time to time. He comes to some of the run to win stuff and just uh, a great guy in the community who's done really, really well. You uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that uh, you were able to do is your son Chris was on uh, on the football team. And I'll never forget just the look on your face being able to run out the tunnel next to Chris and how cool that was. Tell, tell me a little bit about what that was like. Well, actually, I still have the picture on my desk because you took it of the two of us running out the tunnel. But, yeah, you know, Chris grew up going to a lot of the Husky stuff with me and being in the locker room. He had a familiarity with Husky football, and he had the opportunity to walk on and play there. And I'm really proud of him because he did a great job, and I, I thought he could have played. But, you know, I'm a dad. I'm prejudiced. But before the first game he suited up for, I, I went over in the team room and, uh, I just said, hey, man, it'd really be cool this first time if we could run out the tunnel together. And uh, he's like, yeah, dad. And so, you know, you line up in the tunnel and they're doing all the chant and all the stuff. And uh, anyway, uh, we run out the tunnel together and uh, it's just a great thrill. And I mean, unless you run out the tunnel, Kim, it's one of probably the most intense, exhilarating experiences you'll ever have. I mean, just the guys, the atmosphere, the intensity, and then it's like you, you open the gate and off we go. But to run out the tunnel with him was really, really special. So anyway, game two rolls around and I get ready to run out the tunnel and my son's right next to me. And he did that every game uh, that he was a part of, which was really, really special. And uh, that picture that you captured is one of my, like I say, one of my favorite pictures from Husky days. So thank you, know, you for that, my friend. You know, I got to throw you on bit right i'm i'm a, i'm gonna i'm gonna let this a secret you ready i don't know that whole tyrone stuff but some of the tyrone stuff was just stupid it was really stupid right oh, oh yeah he banned gum on the sidelines <laughs> well i was the gum i was the gum man that was part of my job man juicy fruit big red i was passing that out to players coaches you know um yeah there was a lot of a lot of stuff would have he done gum, but he banned gum, but you were still slipping me big red on the sidelines. You know I did. I I I give you that when we needed a change, when we needed a turnover, and Rick Hugley was the strength coach, and I'd go up to him and hand him. I'd reach out with a stick of big red, and he'd rip up half of it and throw it in his mouth, and I would. And bro, I can't tell you how many times the next play we either got a fumble or an interception or something good happened, and we know it wasn't the gum, but man, we we rode that, we played that to the hilt. So that's Mike Rohrbach being a rebel, being a non. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But you know, hey, what was fun? You know, I'd also give Coach James his water during the game, and I learned real quick never go up to him after something bad's happened and try to give him water because he's not even gonna you know acknowledge you. So it was usually after a touchdown or a chain, you know, interception or something that we intercepted. And I'd stand there and hand him his water. He'd take a sip. And coming home from the games, my dad would call me and he'd say, hey, son, 
You had a great game today. I saw you on TV like 11 times. You were giving Coach James water, yeah. six of them, and you were hugging Napoleon Kaufman after he scored. And it was like he was keeping track of stats instead of tackles. It was uh, appearances on TV. And uh, I always got a big kick out of that. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. You, uh, you not only did football stuff, but you also were with the basketball team for a long time. Um, you know, one of the hardest things that I've gone through, you know, doing what I do, is a man that we really respect, Lorenzo Romar. You know, and going through the the last couple of years with Lorenzo, uh, how hard was that? I mean, you saw every day. I mean, what was it? How hard was that? Well, first of all, I love Lorenzo. He's one of my dear friends. I'm still in touch with him, and he's an awesome coach and mentor and leader of young men. And yeah, it was just hard to see us go from really, really being good to having some struggles. Um, but you know, hey, he he moved on, and uh, he's doing a great job at Pepperdine. Uh, Mike Hopkins, who they brought in, is phenomenal. He is just, you know, you know, he's just fired up every day and imploring guys, encouraging guys to be the best version of themselves and to be great and to get to class and battle there and then compete on, on the court. And so I'm really honored to, you know, serve as volunteer chaplain under his tremendous leadership and guidance. And, you know, obviously learned a lot through Lorenzo being there and, and just count that as a blessing, but still really fortunate to be part of it and hopefully come alongside guys and encouraging them. You were there when uh, Coach Coach Owens, the huge guy, takes over to Don James and, uh, you know, Lorenzo, you know, he's just cool, silk smooth, right? Tell me about your first interaction with Mike Hopkins because Mike's a different cat. Oh man, that guy. I, well, I love it because he's, he's got the mentality of an inside linebacker, you know, and that intensity. So I get along really well with him and uh, I just love what he's doing with the Husky men's basketball program. And, you know, he's, he, he's brought in some great guys and there's more great guys signing up and joining us, Cole Bajima and some guys locally. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for hopefully this thing to open up and we get back to competing and being together and all that. So but I like Hopkins story. Come on. You got one. Everybody does. <laughs> Everybody does. Oh man. Come my, on. My, one of my favorites. I can't tell my favorite one, but I mean, we're in doing a press conference and our interns got his arm in a sling and there's a basketball on the table and somebody asked hop about passing the ball and he picks up the ball. You got to throw it here. You got to throw it here. And he throws it right at our intern. He's got a laptop and a sling on it. Just nails him. Oh. Oh, man. Well, hey, one of my favorites is like early on first week or something. He's out there like practice starts. He's out there like he's one of the kids, you know, D and guys up and Carlos <laughs> Johnson throws an elbow and breaks his nose. And the, you know, coach hop shows up the next day with two black eyes and he's back out there doing the same thing. So, you know, he's one of those guys who is just locked in and intense and I highly respect the guy and his leadership. So another guy, another, I don't want to say guy, cause I, I think of her as one of the guys, but uh, tell people what it's like having uh, Jen Cohen running things. You know what, before you said that, I was going to mention Jen. She is amazing. She is just such a, a tremendous leader and visionary. And I just, my hat is off to her and the amazing job she does in leading Husky athletics 
and represented the University of Washington really, really well. You said that Mike Hopkins has kind of got that linebacker mentality. Jen does at times too. You've seen. It. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, she no, she does. She does. She, man, when she shows up, man, she is. She's all in and uh, really a fiery leader and a great leader. And the UW's in good hands with her. She's something, you know, she wrote a letter to Coach James when she was like 13, living in Tacoma, saying she wanted to be the first female to play Husky football. And Coach James responded, you know, sent her a letter back. I think she still has that. So, uh, I mean, there's somebody who early on just had that love for all things Husky, and she's a great one. We've seen athletic directors on the sidelines for football games, but uh, we've never seen one on the sidelines like Jen. <laughs> I mean, do you ever look over and go, wow. Yeah. Well, hey, Mike Lude was pretty intense back in the day when he brought Coach James in. And, you know, Mike Lude's still doing well. I get a Christmas card from him every year, and he's down in Arizona and still writes a letter, and he's all over the country still going to things, obviously not with the COVID-19 but uh, yeah, uh, in terms of visionary, he brought in the whole Husky fever. He took a dungy tunnel that was like smelly and wet and lights hanging off the top to putting field or AstroTurf on it, painting it white with a purple and gold racing stripe, had the art department paint. And you've seen these, you know, a commemorative big old poster thing of every bowl game they ever played in. I think you give me a heat for being in the pineapple bowl in 37, but Anyway, uh, yeah, that was all Mike Lude and his vision of really just selling that and painting the town purple and gold. So, you know, Jen, Jen reminds me a lot of him in terms of her leadership style and her enthusiasm and energy. It's fantastic. I didn't know you played in the pineapple bowl. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was coming. Well, you usually say I played in the 63 Rose Bowl, but, you know, that would have been hard because I, I would have been eight years old. But, hey. Remind people again of Run to Win, what you're doing, and how they can get involved. Well, you know, we're just trying to make a difference in the community. Uh, we're trying to encourage young people, kids, athletes, coaches to look to their faith as an important piece of their life and their journey. Uh, normally, we have 90 camps during the summer for kids ages 6 to 14. Uh, obviously, with COVID right now, we're exploring maybe some uh, virtual camps. Uh, we have played around with the idea, just some smaller gatherings. We're just kind of seeing what we can do, but just trying to be a positive force in the community for God and for sports and, uh, you know, encourage people along the way in their journey, wherever they are. And so it's been a real honor and privilege to do that. Um, you know, I've been a chaplain at the University of Washington since 1989. And uh, boy, it's been some of the greatest years of my life just being able to come alongside these student athletes and become friends with them. You know, like the Dave Hoffmans, uh, who's on our board now, great Husky linebacker and with the Secret Service still. And just it's all about relationships. And that's what Run to Win is about. Uh, we do a golf tournament, an auction, uh, luncheons. So lots of opportunities to plug in. You can look us up at runtowin.org, and uh, you, can, you can leave a message. I'll personally call you and visit about how to get you involved. So, And, Kim, you've been huge to us in terms of serving as MC at different events and part of our golf tournament every year, and you donate items to our auction, and you've become a dear friend to us, and we really appreciate you, man. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're like a brother. We, we're, it's kind of funny. It's, it's kind of funny. I bring out – 
I brought, I think I bring out the child in you. I really do. <laughs> when I ask my wife, Karen, she says it's always there. So yeah, she, yeah. Just, she gives me the look sometimes like, really? <laughs> but I know. Uh, you do kind of stir the pot a little brother. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Right. But, uh, we're we're, uh, we're hoping that uh, we can get to the point where we can do a kickoff luncheon for football. If we're able to do that with all the restrictions, I'm sure we will put one together. So, and we'll have that out on dogman.com if we're able to do it. But hey, Mike, before I let you go, when all of this is said and done and we're back to normal life, what are me and, what are me and you doing? What's the first thing me and you are going to do <laughs> if we catch up? What are we doing? Chicken parm. At Valarmos. <laughs> Let's do it. I am there. Hey, one, do more, it, brother. one more time, the website, how people can get a hold of you if they want to be involved, Mike. Yeah, runtowin.org. So R-U-N-T-O-W-I-N.org, like running a race to win. That's what we're all about. Have I ever, when we meet at Varlamos or anywhere, have I ever beaten you there once, ever? And I always show up early. No, I, I'm Don James trained, and that means if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're left behind. And so that's just been a discipline of my life is to always be early, and it uh, works out well. I drove my wife Karen crazy the first number of years we were married, but she's locked in now too. And actually, we celebrate 42 years of marriage coming up next month in June. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm going to be there early. It's early, early wins. I've got this vision of you supposed to pick Karen up for a date, you know, at six o'clock and you showing up at 545 and her being mad because she's not ready yet. Yeah, but I patiently waited for her. <laughs> she was worth the wait, man. You know, she right. played Husky hoops, too. So she she she's a baller herself. So you in line somewhat. Yes. Somebody has to. All right, Mike. Hey, Mike, appreciate you coming on. Mike Warbeck, one of the original number 54s for your Washington Huskies. Uh, we'll have another one of these coming up soon with another former player. So stay tuned. And in the meanwhile, as always, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>